episode four of Kane's Cast, also known as Kane's Cast, episode four in your eardrums right now, alongside Michael Smith from CarolinaHurricanes.com, webmaster, web writer. He is the one and only person who I trust when it comes to doing this podcast. Michael, always good to see you. I'm Mike Maniscalco. No one of consequence, yet no one to be tried. You remembered to introduce yourself this week. Yeah, I Yesterday, it was... or last week, you just skipped right over that. Figured it was important, yeah. so... All the days meshed together if we just did this yesterday. Yesterday, last week, uh, same thing. It's I don't know if the fans can hear it today, but it's quite noisy outside of Chuck's office today. New kids on the block. Ah! Yeah, Paul Abdul, boys wow. to men, they're all here. I'm actually kind of trying to see if I can see Paul Abdul. Well, when I was, you might get lucky. Huh? <laughs> when yeah. I was a kid, very, very important in my maturing as yeah. a young man, Paul yep. Abdul, sure. Uh, this is episode four of the Canes cast, and we're just going to put this out here. What we know, what we don't know, we're going to go over the schedule. We're giving you the whole rundown of what we're going to do. Look at the rest of the Metro division, and we have Canes cast questions to get to via the internets. Yeah, because uh, this is, I think, the first week week uh, of the offseason that we've been doing this this podcast that we sort of looked at, you know, what's happened in the last week since we recorded, I believe, on on last Wednesday, and nothing really has happened. And it, it's kind of going to be that way for the rest of the offseason from now until about late August, early September, when, you know, guys start coming back into town for informal workouts. Early September, there's the Traverse City NHL Prospects Tournament. Then of course you get into training camp preseason. Then things start happening, but we've kind of entered the lull of the off season yeah. where uh, not much is happening because everything happened in the span of about a week. You'll you'll see maybe one or two signings here or there. Yeah, this is throughout the NHL. Maybe a trade here or there if it makes sense. But let's get to what we know, Michael Smith, about the Carolina Hurricanes. Now that the dust has settled on all of the moves that this team has made. There's a lot of leadership and a lot of winning in that locker room right now. And I like how that translates to this team when you bring in players who've won. Marcus Kruger with the Chicago Blackhawks, Trevor Van Riemsdyk, Scott Darling, and not to mention the big free agent signing when you bring in Justin Williams, Mr. Game 7. So I love the fact that it wasn't just players with a winning pedigree, but guys who can be or have been around some of the best leaders in the game or a guy who is a leader in Justin Williams. Yeah, I think both uh, Marcus Kruger and Trevor Van Riemsdyk both said, you know, being able to play in Chicago the last few years, they got to learn from some of the best on and off the ice, just watching and how they prepare themselves, watching and, and how they conduct themselves on the ice. They they really got to learn from the best and what it takes to become uh, an NHLer, and they're going to bring that knowledge into this room. And, and then you look at a guy like Justin Williams who has – that experience, the the regular season experience, the playoff experience, more so than anything, um, and, and that leadership that he can provide is, is going to be great for for the young core that the Hurricanes have in the room. The young core that hasn't experienced that playoff success just yet. Uh, the the thinking is that here's a guy who who has experienced that. He's going to be able to come in and show these guys uh, sort of what it takes to be successful, what it takes um, to get to the playoffs, and the hope is that the Hurricanes will be able to get to the playoffs for the first time since 2009. We also know that the goaltending is set. Scott Darling should be the number one. Cam Ward's the backup. I don't think there's any argument with that right now, right, Michael, the way that it's constituted? Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's safe to say. I, I do think you're, you're still going to see Cam Ward play, I don't know, 20 – to 30 games maybe. yeah I think I think I in, mean, an, in an ideal world he'll play 
25 to 30 games. Scott yeah. Darling will play 50 to 55 and Cam Ward will play in between. Because, again, that's going to be an increase in Scott Darling's workload. He's never had the the, the starting goaltender's role, um, and that's a big step to take, and, and the Hurricanes aren't going to want to just uh, throw him in there and, and, and make him play you know 60 to 70 games in a season because th- that's, that's not going to be good for, for his development as an NHL goalie. Um, but the Hurricanes have a, a strong goaltending tandem, I think, in Darling and Ward. Uh, and it's 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 big for Scott Darling and that he's ready that, for the next step he in his is career. Big himself. And, and he's very big. Uh, and and for Cam Ward, it's it, it's a new a new role in his time here with the Hurricanes. One that I think he's he's willing and, and ready to accept. I also think that he can transition because of his temperament to being a really good backup goaltender, but not in the terms of oh God, we got to play the backup tonight. But he's a guy who can go out there and win a game against anybody in the league. We've seen it. So yeah. that's what I like, the how that has been put together. It also now everything kind of filters into each other for what we know for this team. They should be very good defensively. Marcus Kruger is a solid add on the fourth line as a center, as a penalty killer. And, and guys just kind of funnel down their spots a little bit more. So this team, I think, is going to be as responsible as it's ever been defensively up front. And we'll kill two birds with one stone here, Mike. I think the top four are on defense, we know that's set. We know that it's Slavin and Pesci and Falk and Hannafin and whatever combination of the four that you want to put together, you can. Right. Yeah, I, I mean, Steve Smith is, has got a good crew to work with there on the back end. Um, he's got four very reliable and still very young uh, players uh, that are going to figure into the, the top four, and we'll get into in a second what that five six pair looks like um, because that's part of what we don't know but what we do know is that yes the team is should be very reliable defensively just look at at the team under Bill Peters and and it from forwards uh, to defense has been a very defensively responsible team it's it's start in your own end and, and work out from there so I, I think that's not going to change this year um, the defense should be re- reliable again uh, and maybe we see a guy like Jacob Slavin you know make a trip to the all-star game in yeah. Tampa Bay. I, I think his time is coming. Um, he's uh, sort of a well-kept secret. It's not going to be that way for much longer. No, not at all. And I don't, I don't think he's as much of a secret as we're trying to make him out to be. Right. I We'd think... like to still think that he's <laughs> that, you know, someone comes in and, Oh, uh, Jacob Slavin, but Who's I, this guy, yeah. where did this bearded man come from? But Steve Smith said during the season, you know, I asked him about, about Slavin and Pesci and that defensive pair. And he said, there were times as the season went on, you saw coaches work their top lines away from that pair because they knew just how good they were. So it's it's becoming a well-known fact that the Hurricanes have a, a good young defense and, and Slavin and Pesci are a big part of that. All right, so that's what we know. What don't we know about this team? Uh, I'll put it out there. You pick, choose your own adventure on this one, Michael. Where are we going to tackle the what don't we know for this team? Well, well, let's just go uh, the five six pair on the blue line. That seems like a good segue. Um, that Trevor Van Riemsdyk brought in as uh, a guy who can help stabilize that pair because last year uh, you look at that pair and it was it was Dahlbeck, it was Hannafin, it was Ryan uh, Murphy. Ryan Murphy mixed in there a little bit. There wasn't Jacob Knocklittle. I mean, you can run down. True. It was a re- it was a revolving door. There wasn't a lot of consistency, and I think that's really what. Uh, Ron Francis and, and and Bill Peters when it comes down to it. And Steve Smith, of course, would like to have is some consistency there. And I think Trevor Van Riemsdyk provides a great opportunity for that. But then you look who plays beside him. I think it's a it's a perfect opportunity for one of the one of the younger guys from Charlotte, whether that's 
uh, Hayden Fleury, whether that's Roland McEwen, whether, whether that's Trevor Carrick. It could be a combination of all three um, to really step up and, and take that next step in their career and become full-time NHL players. All right. I'm going to put this out there. <laughs> if you like it, take it. If not, send it right back to me. Hey. Do you think that Ron Francis, if we get into the, the short rows around late August, early September, that the team is going to be comfortable going with Hayden Fleury, comfortable with going with one of those those younger players, or if there's an established NHL veteran defenseman. I'm talking about a guy plus 30 but still has something left in the tank that you can get an affordable rate that the Canes would bring him into the locker room, and you go in with that as a 5-6 pair with Trevor Van Riemsdyk, and you let the younger guys play big minutes down in Charlotte. Yeah, I honestly wouldn't be surprised either way. Like I think Hayden Fleury, Hayden Fleury, and Roland McEwen and Trevor Carrick, having all spent you know basically the entire season uh, with Charlotte in the AHL, all have that experience, all have that grooming that should make them NHL ready. Um, but you know, if there is a veteran guy who you think can come in and be an asset both in the room and on the ice at a reasonable price. For a one-year deal, sure. I mean, I, I think you have to take a look at that option. But either way, I think the Hurricanes are comfortable with, with how their yeah. defensive pairs shape up. Yeah, I, I put it out there because I think that that will be a viable option as we get to August and September. There are a couple of veteran defensemen who are going to be out there who still want to play in this league. But right. I'm with you. I lean more towards it's going to be someone who's in the system. It's their turn to at least show that they can play at this level. Yeah, I mean, that's essentially what happened with Ron Hainsey a few years ago. He was sitting around available in, what, August or September. Yeah. Um, I think a day before training camp. Yeah, and, and Jim Rutherford, who was then the GM, you know, snatched him up, and, and obviously he went on to play 300-some games here with the Hurricanes. So there's always that potential that a veteran guy is is available, you know, come training camp and, and is a potential to be added to the lineup. All right, what else don't we know? Can Scott Darling handle the grind of being a number one? we got to look into the crystal ball here, be a little Nostradamus and find this out. My only concern is at this level, you tend to see big goalies at some point hit a wall with an injury or something that happens. That's why I think Cam Ward is going to be important as the backup of when to know when to rest Scott Darling because – he has been a number one in certain situations, but he hasn't been a number one in Chicago. That's Corey Crawford. But he's handled, when Corey Crawford got hurt, handled a, a heavy workload. Right. So that's a question for me, but I think he's ready because all you have to do is read that article in the Players' Tribune, Michael, yeah. that he wrote. Yeah. He's ready for the grind. I think he's ready for the grind. Yeah, I think mentally and physically he's ready for the grind. He's, he's confident in himself. The Hurricanes are confident in him. Um, I, I think there, there always is that lingering question, but I don't think there's going to be any doubt in anybody's minds once, once he takes the ice, uh, and, you know, starts getting some games under his belt that he's going to be a legitimate number one goaltender in this league. And the hurricanes, uh, saw that potential in him yeah. and they aggressively went after him, um, to trade for his rights and then sign him to a long-term deal. I think, I think that, uh, they have confidence in him. He has confidence in himself. And I think you're going to see it pay off uh, big time for the team this year. All right. As we continue down the list of what we don't know with this team, going to do a little combo action here. Who's the team's number one center? Because Michael, as you know, you read it on Twitter. Who's the top line? Who's this? Who's the number one center? And is there enough offense on this team? I think it's, 
it, it might be a few. We might see a few guys in that spot, you know, as the season goes on. I think you're going to see probably some combination of Jordan Stahl yeah. and Victor Rask, two guys who um, are defensively responsible. One, yeah. uh, good in the circle, uh, but but both guys who can provide offense. I think the Hurricanes would like to see Victor Rask provide a little bit more, you know, from the offensive side. Um, I think I, I think the lines as they are now are are. Are good. I th- I like the way they shake out. I like um, the depth among all four. I like the balance. I like the versatility that a lot of the guys have who could play. You know, whether it's either wing or or wing and center. Yeah. Um. I like the makeup of the Hurricanes lines as they sit now. It, you, we're not going to know for sure until you know we get into preseason and and the exhibition season. But I think this team is well equipped to be successful. I'm going to go number one center is Jordan Stahl. Because yeah. if you want an answer, I'll give you Jordan Stahl. I'm still concerned about where all the goal scoring is going to come from, but the addition of Justin Williams gives you flexibility. You can leave Jeff Skinner with Derek Ryan and Lee Stempniak on a third line where I think that there was a lot of success from that group last year. Right. You can put Elias Lindholm up with Victor Rask and Sebastian Ajo, and I think we saw how Elias Lindholm took a huge step forward last year. We certainly saw what Sebastian Ajo did. Yeah. But we're counting on guys to either improve or duplicate from the year before. Sometimes it's hard to do. I mean, we kind of get into it as fans as we take it for granted and guys who cover the team, oh, that's just naturally going to happen. Jordan Stahl needs to be, when we talk about offensive flair, he needs to become a guy who can get to that 20-25 goal plateau. Sure, and I think Sebastian Ajo is a guy who can get to the 25-30 plateau plateau. even. If that happens, this team goes to the playoffs. Yeah. So that answers what we don't know. We know the schedule's out, and everybody always looks at it. It's the, the new phone books are here. The new phone books are here. It's an exciting time. It really is. Uh, I, I look forward to it. You know, I know you do. Just it, being able to sort of plan the next, what, eight months of our lives, essentially. It's rather <laughs> exciting for us, but let's get to it, Michael. On the schedule, the make-or-break portion of the season for the Carolina Hurricanes, I've got the December Marathon west to east coast that starts in Vancouver, goes through California, a back-to-back, Anaheim to Vegas, and then this makes sense, fly across the country and play in Buffalo in the middle of December. That's one for me. Or the eight-game homestand in January and February that's wrapped around the All-Star game. Yeah, I mean, both of those are going to be pivotal times in the schedule. Uh, You look at that... December road trip, and that's that's uh, I think the longest road trip on the schedule, and obviously then the A-game homestand is the longest homestand on the schedule. Both critical times of the schedule where, you know, you look at the homestand. By late January, early February, you're going to have a good idea of where the standings are, what needs to happen to either, you know, remain where you are, climb a little bit. You're going to know what you need to do to uh, in order to work yourself or hopefully stay in a playoff spot. Um, that road trip in December is going to be is going to be a big test because it's it, it's a long grinding trip. It's you know it's a week and a half long. Um, it's a long time away from home. But the the hope is that not having that trip, you know, be at the state fair during the state yeah. fair right at the beginning of the season. The hope is that by December, obviously, you're going to have a team that's come together, that's gelled, that knows one another, knows each other's tendencies. Um, and the, all the pressure isn't on them 
at the beginning of the season to perform. Those are two critical times in the schedule, of course. It is nice that the Hurricanes get to open with two games at home. Those are going to be very important games before the team heads out on an abbreviated State Fair road trip. It's it's not too bad. Four games over over the span of the week is, is very manageable. And then they come home for three games at the end of the month. So it's not going to feel like this team is away until November. It, it, there's there's plenty of time here at home in October, uh, and and hopefully the Hurricanes can take advantage of that. All right, so if I were to pin you down then, is October. Because 10 games in October, five at home, five on the road. That doesn't happen with this team. Generally, it's a six-game road trip somewhere that crisscrosses North America and they get one or two games or three games at home in October. Ten games to start off the season, five at home, five on the road. I, I hate to do this again, but I think October kind of is make or break because by the time you don't want that December trip to be you got to get 10 out of 12 points or right. eight out of whatever. You want and some then, leeway. Yeah, and then when you get to the homestand, the homestand should be gravy. I mean, with yeah. the, the teams that they play during that eight-game homestand, Michael, if you can – just you know, run that down for people. Yeah. They're checkmark win games for playoff teams. There. Yeah, Ottawa, Montreal, Detroit, San Jose, Philly, Vancouver, Colorado, L.A. Uh, a mix of, of both conferences, some divisional opponents yep. as well. I, I October is important for sure uh, because you've seen the last few years. You want to set yourself up to be successful for the rest of the season. You don't want to dig yourself an early hole yeah. because, as we've seen, I mean, that's just been it's, – it's tough to climb out of. I, I really do think February is going to be vitally important because seven of those eight home games occur in February. And after that eight-game homestand, you go to New Jersey for a quick game and then come back for three more home games. So you're looking at a, the month of February where you're playing the majority of your games at home. I think it's 10, 10. of 13. Yeah, 10, 10 games of 13. of 13 at home. I mean, you that, have That to. could be a huge month. Um, you don't want to really single out any one one month as as this is a make or break month because because really you just, it's about being consistent yep. across the balance of the 82 game schedule but october very important february with all those home games very important um overall i think it's a pretty favorable favorable schedule for the hurricanes especially considering just how that state fair road trip shakes out um you look at the bye week there in in mid-january it's it's bunched up really with the with the all-star break you have the bye week uh one week and then the all-star break abbreviated all-star break because of the bye week uh the next weekend um i think it sets up nicely for the hurricanes all things considered um and and we'll see if they can take advantage of those early home games and, and put themselves in a good position come let's say november 1st where they are in the standings and the bye week comes in the third week of january and again this year the finally some wisdom got through you're not <laughs> yeah. going to be playing a team that's been either red hot and you've been off for five days the league has tried to match up everybody's bye week so you're set there yeah i, I believe the first bye week is that january 8th to 12th yeah. week and then the hurricanes have the 15th to 19th and i believe the teams are potted you know basically yeah. split um so that the, when the hurricanes play the detroit red wings on january 20th they should be coming off their bye week. I haven't double checked that, but I assume that's correct. No, that's that's how it it should be. Yeah. I mean, I've double checked that, but I don't know if it's one of those things where I'm 100% certain that it's Detroit. And it's a, a trip to Detroit. You're not flying to Dallas or across the country after the 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 layoff after the bye week. So that works out well. I'm still going to point to October though. Yeah. Because I, I hate to to put put it in these terms and be this blunt. 
You don't have the excuse of, well, we had the State Fair road trip in October. and you, No, you got five games at home and five on the road to start the season in that first month, so that becomes pretty big. We also want to look at the Metro Division here on Episode 4, Kane's Cast, because we're just going to click off how these teams did in the offseason, where Michael and I feel that maybe they've improved or maybe they haven't. And we'll start with the reigning Stanley Cup champion, Pittsburgh Penguins. They signed Antti Niemi and Matt Hunwick. They re-signed Justin Schultz on the blue line. They lose goaltender Marc-Andre Fleury. They lose Nick Bonino. They lose Chris Kunitz. They lose Trevor Daly. They lose Ron Hainsey, Stanley Cup champion. They lose Bo Bennett. And they pick up Ryan Reeves, get a little bit tougher from St. Louis. I mean... I think they're still going to be all right. I mean, it's the defending Stanley Cup champions. You you always go through that phase where you're going to lose some players. I think they're still going to be a force to be reckoned with. Just because, I mean, you look at their core players. When you have Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin, yeah. you're going to be pretty good. Yeah, I'll give you four reasons why they're still going to be good. You mentioned two, Sidney yeah. Crosby, Evgeny Malkin. You have a guy who could have won the Calder Trophy, a two-time Stanley Cup champion as a rookie goaltender right. in Matt Murray. And is Chris Letang healthy? And if he is on the blue line, they're going to be very good. Then there's the Washington Capitals. I I tried to make sense of where the Caps are at. They signed Devontae Smith-Pelly, who's going to be a bottom six forward for him, but he's a good player. He has some talent. They re-signed Evgeny Kuznetsov to an eight-year, $62 million deal. Re-signed Andre Burakovsky and a couple others who they bring in. They keep and Philip Drubauer as the backup. To and a massive contract. TJ Oshie stays with a huge deal. They lose Justin Williams, rental player Kevin Shattenkirk. They lose Carl Alsner. Marcus Johansson gets traded to the New Jersey Devils. So, For almost nothing. Yeah, I mean, two draft picks, a second and a third. The Devils made away, I think, very well in that trade, um, considering the quality of player they're getting. Are the Caps, can we still put them as a top team? You know, everybody's favorite question, is he an elite quarterback? <laughs> Are the Caps still elite, well, or are they on the other side of where the window was to win the whole thing? They're certainly not going to be the President's Trophy team that we saw this year or last. But that said, they've they won the President's Trophy. They they've got a long way to fall to fall out of yeah. a potential playoff spot. So are they going to be as good? No. Are they still going to be a fairly reasonable a, a force to be dealt with yeah. in the division? Probably, yeah. because they still have some some really talented players. I mean, again, we, we just talked about the, the Penguins and, and Crosby and, and Malkin, yeah. and they have a guy named Ovechkin who is also pretty good at hockey. Yeah. And so, you know, when you have— At least for 82 games. <laughs> when you have those types of, of generational talents, I mean, it, it's it, you're going to have to— uh, some things are going to have to go— I think horribly wrong for them to, to yeah. miss the playoffs. It's there's they're not going to be as good, um, but they're still going to be pretty good. No, they're going to be pretty good. Then there's the Columbus Blue Jackets, where I mean, last year Sergei Bobrovsky played at an MVP level and a Vesna Trophy candidate and, and winner, but they didn't really add much except for Artemi Panarin. They get some offense, but they give up Brendan Saad when they do that, and backup goaltender Anton Forsberg. They don't really they don't really add anything that knocks my socks off, except they get a pretty talented offensive player. They lose a couple of pieces. I think Columbus is going to be good, but I don't know if last year is the real Columbus Blue Jackets or was that a fluke, and when does John Tortorella go John Tortorella and wear down that team into yeah. the ground? I, it's an interesting team. I, I, it's going to be one that I think might just be on the bubble this year in terms of a playoff spot and where they are in the division. Yeah, because um, yeah, as you said, I mean, nothing that – that really blows your mind about what they did this off season, um, and just the, their 
their play over the last two seasons has been a bit inconsistent in terms of the team that you're you're seeing night in night out. So yeah, I I think uh, we'll we'll call them on the bubble. All right, that works for me. The Rangers still have Henrik Lundqvist. Maybe not as good as he used to be, but still pretty darn good. Still very good. Uh, they lose Antti Ranta, who was the backup, who was very good for them last year. But they bring in a guy who I think maybe a change of scenery and not having the weight of trying to be a number one goaltender on his back will be good, maybe, uh, as they bring in Andre Pavlich from Winnipeg, who can be a backup for a little bit. They signed Kevin Shattenkirk and kind of get him in a deal because he wanted to play hometown Rangers. But after that, you know – the Rangers are a team you look at. They lose Derek Stepan, and you're thinking, oh, well, are they going to be better? They'll be fine. Yeah, I think they're a fine. bubble team. The same thing right I mean, there. here's the thing. like The, the Metropolitan Division is, is a good division. You've got teams who, who spend money, spend to the cap. The Hurricanes are not one of those no. teams, so you're always faced with this challenge of, of trying to match the skill level of these teams that, that go out and buy the skill level. So I, but the Rangers are going to be fine. It, and right. that building is, for some reason, has given the Hurricanes fits to play in. Well, because the team that has been there has, been has had a good goalie and they've been pretty good. Like, I always love that when people are like, oh, this building is tough. Well, how good is the team that has been playing yeah, there? Ben? But I think there is something, too, you know, when a building is well, like challenging Dallas. to Dallas play Dallas is in. the place where I look at. Dallas has had some not-so-good teams mm. when the Canes have had good teams, and they just don't win there. Right. You know that's a one-off and whatever. Yeah, it's but a one-off. You kind of you kind of look at something. But I don't. It's something about MSG. I, the Verizon Center, I think, is the same thing. Again, a good team plays in that building. Yeah. But like, it's something about when the Rangers or the Caps score a goal, and maybe they get another quick one, and the crowd just sort of rides that wave, oh, and yeah. and the team just sort of takes over. I, it's, we've seen it the past few years. MSG, a tough place to play. Uh, that's probably not going to change either. And then there's the New York Islanders. Okay, I, I have to put this out there. They signed something called a Seth Helgeson, and then pretty much that's it. They got Jordan Eberle from Edmonton for Ryan Strom. They lose Travis Hamanick to Calgary for a first and second round draft. I don't know what they're doing with the New York Islanders. I have no idea. Yeah, I'm not sure either. Yeah, okay, let's just move <laughs> on. The Flyers, they signed Brian Elliott, so maybe he's going to be their number one goaltender. They had a trade where they moved Brayden Shen out. They also have... Nolan Patrick, the number two overall pick, coming in with his team. They lose a couple of important pieces. I don't know. I don't know where the Flyers are in this, and I'll put the Devils in the same boat. The Devils didn't lose anything save Mike Camilleri in free agency. They add Marcus Johansson from the Caps for nothing, a second and third round pick of the upcoming draft. They get Mirko Mueller from San Jose on the blue line. They add a veteran presence in Brian Boyle, and they have the number one pick in Nico Heischer, I don't know. Maybe this is a team that is going to be better, but I don't think they've gotten better than the Canes. Yeah, it's. I, I would agree. I, I think they've gotten better. I think the Hurricanes, uh, in terms of the skill level, right, the they guys have, outside the door. Hey, new kids on the block agree with big us. Big fans of the podcast. Um, yeah, but Flyers and Devils, I think, are the same category as as the Blue Jackets. Is I, you know, I don't, I don't know if they've gotten that much better. I, the Canes have gotten better than all three. I think. Um, and hopefully the standings prove us right come uh, the season. All right. Well, it's now time, and uh, our patience and your patience has been rewarded. Michael Smith, the people are going to speak. It's time for some questions using hashtag Canescast or just tweeting at Michael and myself directly mm -hmm. uh, today. We'll get to the questions that start, uh, and the early birds get the worm. So if you're ready with this, Mr. Smith. Understanding that these things change all the time, 
Who would you initially slot with Jay Will? That would be Justin Williams. We covered this, and I, I'm pretty happy to go back over it again. I think it's going to be Jordan Stahl and Tavo Teravainen or yeah, Elias like Lindholm, a combination of those two. Yep, I, I, I would agree. I um, I think that's uh, at least Jordan Stahl. I, and I'm sure he will play with Victor Ask at some point during the season too, but I think you have to start Stahl, Williams, and then, you know, a random left winger who you could really slot anyone then. I, I, I like Teravainen. Um, Lindholm could do it. Um, even Jeff Skinner. Jeff Skinner would. That yeah. would be a very dangerous line. Should you put Jeff Skinner on it? But I know they want to try out uh, Skinner Ryan Stepniak just because of the yeah. success it had last season. Uh, that question was submitted by Chris Brasfield, who you can contact on Twitter at Chris Brasfield. This comes from SoCal Kaniac Frank. Hi, Mike and Michael. When is our good friend Mr. John Forslund getting into the Hall of Fame? The sooner, the better. From where I stand, agreed. Agreed. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. If, yeah, if open and closed discussion there. <laughs> if people knew what John does as far as getting ready for a broadcast and, and it's just absolutely amazing. And not only that, what he does he he does Hurricanes games, eighty two of them. Yeah. Or eighty one, depending on how many national television games. And then he ends up doing that one too. Yeah. And then he adds other national television games to his schedule. So he's flying all over the country. Uh, it's it's really amazing to see his work ethic throughout the season. Yeah, and he is the consummate professional. I will use his line, none better. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. He is the best play-by-play voice in North American sports today, period. He's great. This comes from Rudy Rowell. Looks as though the four-line 6D and two goalie slots are full. How exactly is a kid going to make the big time? I think that you go down to Charlotte, you impress, you put up big numbers, and when opportunity knocks, you burst through the door. That's where it's going to be. I don't mind the fact that there is a question mark of how is this guy going to get in the lineup or where does this guy work. Competition's good. You got to be hungry. And when you get the get the opportunity, Michael, it's like Lou Gehrig and Wally Pip. When you get the chance, don't give them a reason to take you out of the lineup. You right. know, Bill Peters says that, and that's how this team's going to be this year. When you get a chance to get in the lineup. Don't give them a chance to take you out. Yeah, and competition makes everyone better. Not only the people challenging for the spots, but the people holding the spots. When they see that somebody's gunning for their job, they're going to be that much. They're going to work that much harder to try to keep it. So competition's great. I think you're going to see a, a very competitive training camp, uh, and moving forward into the season, you're going to see guys challenging for roster spots, both up front and on the back end uh, throughout the season. All right, this comes from Mr. McLarty at Mr. McLarty. If the season starts tomorrow, what's the top line? More important, what's wrong with it? I don't think anything's wrong with it. And I think, well, we discussed it. Uh, Williams, Stahl, and Teravinen, probably. Yeah, that'll be the top Something line. If, like you wanna, if you want an option B, it'll be Rask, Ajo, and Lindholm. I mean, when you ask what's wrong with it, I'm, I'll go to, here's, you want an answer? There's not a number one center. There's not an Austin Matthews or Connor McDavid, but those guys are so few and far between and hard to find. And you just don't get them for free. Yeah. So uh, I think that the lines will be fine as they're constituted. So Chris uh, Cote, yeah. uh, real Chris Cote, Cote. Twitter handle it's Chris Cote. Cote. Is there? There's, there's a not Chris an Cote. Yes. There's not an friend. accent on it. Well, it's it's hard. It's okay. <laughs> Any updates on Phil DiGiuseppe? Where does he fit into the current roster? Phil DiGiuseppe was tendered a qualifying offer, yeah. so the Hurricanes still have exclusive negotiating rates with him. He is he remains a restricted free agent, um, and. We talked about competition. He's going to be square in the mix in terms of that competition because uh, he's going to be in the mix there with with Joris, with McGinn, yep. with Nordstrom, challenging for uh, 
one of those winger spots in the, in the bottom six, I would have to think. Yep. This comes into Ollie Beck at Hardcore Ollie 44. Hi, guys. Where do you see Cam Ward after his contract expires? I'd love to see him retire as a hurricane after his great service. I think this year is very important for both Cam Ward and the organization as to are they going to continue this relationship. But if he excels in this role, he'll be able to stay here for a while. So I think that this year is big, but I would not be shocked that he gets an extension to stay in the role as the backup slash mentor slash insurance policy. I'm done with slashes, except for the guitarist, uh, <laughs> that you can get into and keep him here for a little while. Alexander Jones asks, which forward prospect do you think is most likely to break out and be a surprise contributor like Rask was in 2014? Ooh, that's a really good question. It is a good question. Uh-huh. And to sort of refresh everyone's memory there, Rask uh, went to Traverse City and, and really put together a tremendous tournament there, came into training camp, continued a strong play through the exhibition season, eventually earned a spot and, and sort of cemented himself as a full-time NHLer. I think I've said this name on every podcast. I'll go with Nick Waugh. Mm. Cannot wait for Chuck Caton's pronunciation. <laughs> Proud noise only. Wow. Thank you very much, Michael. Uh, That's his name. (laughs) So there you have it. Uh, This comes in from R. Parmalee. That's Russell Parmalee. What young players do you think can come? Oh, this is going to say. We have uh, kind of a similar question. What young players do you think can come into camp and force the team's hand that aren't currently on the projected roster? Uh, I'm going to go with the defenseman we talked about earlier. That's going to be Carrick, McEwen, Flurry. even though we think that Flurry's kind of penciled in on that. I think that's... That's where that road has headed. I yeah. might be wrong, but it's going to be it's going to be the young defenseman. It's going to be hard for a forward to crack the top twelve. I really want to see after his performance at a development camp what Julian Gauthier can do uh, coming into training camp in the exhibition season. I believe he might be going to Traverse City. He is poised. Uh, he's obviously going to turn pro this year because he's twenty years old. Um, so I, I, I'm interested to see where he can uh, impress the most, what he can show that he can do at this level. Is he ready to make that jump, yeah. or is he going to need some time in Charlotte? I think that's going to be a big question. Uh, I believe Kyle Brickeen at Revolution 16 has this question for us. Michael, talk best fit for captain. Who fits the role? Who gets the A's? Oh, uh, great question. Um, well, I don't think any of the – I don't think you take away any of the A's. I'm just going to put this out there. <laughs> yes. Justin Williams. Just give it to Justin Williams. Three-time Stanley Cup winner. He's a veteran. He's a guy who walks in, commands the room. I know he hasn't been here with this group, but he's been with this place. He knows the organization. You put the C on him, it takes pressure off of Jeff Skinner, Jordan Stahl, Justin Falk. It takes the pressure off all of those guys. Just put the C on him. Nobody there would disagree with it. If that goes down the way that it will, and you can leave an A on Jeff Skinner, Jordan Stahl, Justin Fall. I, I don't, as far as the alternate goes, that's fine. You can rotate the alternate if yeah. you want to. No problems there. Last one, perhaps, yeah. from uh, Carl. I'm not going to uh, attempt the last name. I say cukes. Okay. Yeah. Like cucumbers. Exactly. Carl Cucumbers. Carl Cucumbers asks Since it's Amazon Prime Day, are y'all getting any sweet deals on anything? Yes. I uh, bought the uh, Echo Tower. Oh, yeah. So you're going to start talking to Alexa. Oh, I, I have the mini Alexa. Oh, okay. So the mini Alexa will go upstairs, and the tower 
because my wife saw. Now we can control the lights and everything. I'm, sure. like, I'm never going to use that. I saw a stuff. ceiling fan that you can control. I guess you say like turn on Alexa, turn on the fan, and then the fan turns on. If anybody's listening to this with Alexa, and you <laughs> and you have a smart fan, which I'm sure is like maybe one person, ready? Then your fan is on. Alexa, turn on the lights. <laughs> you got one. Uh, Alexa, play Star Wars Rogue One. Ooh, well or done. Or Rogue One, a Star Wars story. You're going, you're going the TV <laughs> route. Yeah, That's sure. Uh, Alexa, play the tragically hip Little Bones. <laughs> Pat and Penny, yeah, they're in Canada. They so hopefully we controlled, and you know, if you have a Google Home, we could say, okay, Google, set the temperature to 68. Wow, you like it Sorry, cold. I just <laughs> really turned out. <laughs> you guys might have to adjust your air conditioning because it just got really cold in yeah, your houses. Send your heating and cooling bill to <laughs> Michael Smith <laughs> at Michael S at CarolinaHurricanes.com. I don't think that's real. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right I don't believe you. <laughs> what? Are we on right now? <laughs> what? I don't believe you. Okay. Well, that's good. Kane's cast episode four. Uh, we don't have a play on a new hope. No, because it's you just called Kane's cast because it's just Kane's cast. That's it. If I am much older than you, Michael, far older than you, I am ready for the home compared to you. <laughs> for 27 years of my life, the movie was just called Star Wars. So this one's just called Kane's cast. Exactly. We episode can call it four. episode four. And when we get down the road, and we start putting the rest of the saga together around it, if you want to give it a name later on, and that's fine. Michael, I will let you name it. Name it whatever you want. A new cast, mm. whatever you want to get into. That's good. I didn't have an idea until just now. That this okay. A, a new cast, fine. Footnote for it. We'll come back to it if you need to have it differentiated from yeah. the other ones. What are we going to do after episode eight? Uh, we can start getting into like the Star Wars stories, mm. like Rogue One. Yeah. Or we can just pick up a new franchise. I mean, that's just how it works. Yeah, we can do whatever we want, I think. Like Planet of the Apes, they've got the new one coming out that everybody seems to be excited about. Yep, haven't so, seen it. No. Haven't seen Spider-Man. No, the, what I, I. What I did, we always end up on the subject at the end of the podcast. What I did binge watch yesterday was uh, The Keepers on Amazon. It's a documentary. It's really good. Really? Yeah, it's a, it's a murder docuseries um, looking at a cold case of a, of a nun was killed in the 1960s really family-friendly stuff wow <laughs> not really. you go to dark places <laughs> yeah it's you know it happens i'm trying to think well, i've been catching up on family guy episodes none of which i can share with people here <laughs> uh no not really binge yeah. watching anything no at the dunkirk moment. comes out soon i know we've talked about that that's coming out very soon yeah I don't know if I'm excited about that, or I don't know if it's... I've seen Saving Private Ryan, which for me is the gold standard. And yeah. I just... Christopher that. Nolan, I, after his, his you know his last few run of films, I'm basically going to see anything that he puts in theaters. All right. Well, we thank everybody for reaching out via the Twitter machine, giving us some great questions to talk about. I'm going to kind of rely on you here in the slow times, as yeah. people like to call it. But any questions you have for the Canes... You can duplicate your question. Doesn't mean we'll answer it, but we probably will because Mike and I have short-term memories, so <laughs> we'll just move on from there. But uh, that's it. That'll do it for this edition of the Canes cast. And anything else you need to add? Anything else that's out there now? I think we're good. All right. I think New kids on the block tonight, PNC Arena. Yeah, you have fun with that. I'm not going. I will not be here either. Okay. <laughs> I might pop in for Paul Abdul. Maybe. Just saying. 
I don't Emilio know. Emilio Estevez got a little husky. I think I can fit the role. <laughs> Maybe the, uh, hopefully they're fans because they've probably been listening to us oh. the entire time. Boys to men, without a doubt. Yeah. Well, they're right outside. We actually asked all three of them if they wanted to be on the podcast. They politely declined. Yeah. They said no. They said that. If we're not going to talk up Philly, then they're not going to be on the Canes cast. Yes, maybe next time. I know. But they are big Rod Brindamore fans. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. I'm going to assume they are. Everybody from Philly is a big Rod Brindamore. You might as well be. Why not? There's no reason not to be. Speaking of guys going in the Hall of Fame. He should be. Number 17 for the Carolina Hurricanes should be in Toronto post-haste. Thank you. He's (laughs) Michael Smith, the uh, one and only incomparable webmaster for the Carolina Hurricanes at carolinahurricanes.com. You are Mike Maniscalco, the face of Hurricanes coverage on web and TV. (laughs) Wow, that's scary, but thank you for that. We'll talk to you next week where we will have episode five, something with the Empire Strikes Back theme. That's a really good movie and hopefully a really good podcast. (laughs) (laughs) For, For Michael Smith, I'm Mike Maniscalco. Bye.